Welcome again to the IDS Hour. I'm your host, Paul Honeycutt, joined as always by Jeff Volker. Jeff, we are well underway in a series on the end times, which isn't at all controversial in our circles, but no. uh, today we're going to talk about something that I think uh, is talked about a lot, but sometimes misunderstood, and that is the binding of Satan. Yeah, that's in Revelation chapter 20, the first three verses. But before we go there, I'm reaching over to the side. Oh. I thought I would promote something there you go. here. Uh, this is uh, it's a series called the ESV Expositor Commentary. And each book is done by a different author. And this is volume 12, the last volume. They're not all out. There's only a handful out right now. But this is from Hebrews to the book of Revelation. And in particular, I bought this because of the book of Revelation. Tom Schreiner uh, did the commentary. This is not a hyper-technical commentary. It's just very readable. Uh, And the reason why I want it, because Tom Schreiner is going in the direction of New Covenant theology, Mm -hmm. and he is a millennial. And so I was eagerly looking forward to having this come out, and it's come out, it's nicely bound, yes. but it, uh, his views really do reflect ours, you know, to the, you know, as far as I can tell, as I'm going through it also. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. recommend this one. It's a little pricey, but it uh, seems to be uh, just very, very readable to the point, going in a new covenant direction and all millennial. So this is one I would recommend to you. Um, but, Revelation chapter 20, mm-hmm. the binding of Satan. So let me read the first three verses of Revelation 20. And I saw an angel coming down out of heaven, having the key to the abyss, and holding in his hand a great chain. He seized the dragon, that ancient serpent, who is the devil or Satan, and bound him for a thousand years. He threw him into the abyss, locked and sealed it over him, to keep him from deceiving the nations any more until the thousand years are ended. After that, he must be set free for a short time. So the binding of Satan, and of course the question that is raised is, uh, when does this take Mm -hmm. place? And of course we're coming from, here at In-Depth Studies, an all-millennial point of view, awe meaning there is no earthly, physical millennium. It's a spiritual millennium that when you, as a believer, when you die, you go to be with the Lord, you reign with Christ, and that's, so when you're talking about the thousand years, that's the period, they're talking about that period of time between Pentecost and Mm -hmm. Second Coming, Mm -hmm. when this is the New Covenant era, and this is what happens when believers die. They go to be with the Lord, with Christ. Okay, so... That's we, We've explained this in a previous segment when we focused on the millennium. Mm-hmm. But here we're talking about the binding of Satan. And when do we think this takes place? Well, I think it takes place uh, between Pentecost and the second coming. This is when Satan is bound with respect to this is the time for collecting up the real people of God. Because re- remember... Israel's an unbelieving picture of the people of God, so they're not the real people of God, except for a small remnant mm. that existed then. So now with Pentecost, they're collecting up a spiritual Israel, most of whom are Gentiles, a remnant are Jews, and now they're collecting them up. 
But still, the question is, uh, how do you understand that in terms of the binding of Satan? Mm-hmm. So let's go back. Let's go back to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, the, the four seeds. And we will, we will begin Matthew chapter 13, beginning at verse 3. It says, Then he told them many, sayings, many things in parables, saying, A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came and ate it up. Okay, so that's the first seed. Mm-hmm. Now, we, we need a, a, a commentary on that. So we'll, uh, this is one of the two parables that Jesus gives a commentary on. So therefore, the details mean something in particular. Most parables, Jesus does not give a commentary. So the only thing we take from the parable is sort of the punchline, mm-hmm. something about the kingdom. The rest is just a folksy story that everybody can relate to. Mm-hmm. But here, here in the parable of the weeds, uh, Jesus gives a commentary on the details. So if you pick it up again, let's see where we, uh, we'll pick it up right at verse 18, where now he's going to explain the parable of the sower. So he says, listen to what the parable of the sower means. When anyone hears the message about the kingdom, okay, that is the gospel shared with them, so when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. So now we want to focus on the fact that when the Lord says uh, that Satan to some degree is involved in unbelief mm-hmm. over the gospel... Now, it doesn't go into detail about how exactly that works, but it says the evil one comes when someone hears the gospel, and he says, and they don't believe it. It's described as the evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed, that's, this is the seed sown along the path. So therefore, when someone responds to the gospel in a manner of unbelief, they don't accept it, that is, Satan is involved in that process. Okay, so Satan's always involved in unbelief. Mm-hmm. Okay, now, now this, um, this understanding also presupposes that you understand the role of Old Covenant versus New Covenant. Mm-hmm. Old Covenant with Israel, New Covenant where God is collecting up the real people of God, the church, mostly Gentiles, little bit of Jews. Because if the Old Testament, which, which contains the Old Covenant era mm-hmm. from, from Mount Sinai all the way through until the cross, actually, and then, of course, the book of Genesis, which is uh, Genesis to Malachi, the Old Testament, everything up to the cross is preparatory. It prepares for the coming of the Messiah. And so it's not the time for believing. Mm -hmm. Now, this is something we've talked about in the past, at least to some degree in one of our uh, videos, but why is the Old Testament not 
the time for believing, both before the Old Covenant era and during the Old Covenant era. And I think that it's a time of preparation. So, example, the book of Genesis, a very large mm-hmm. book, is preparing for what we say the game to begin. It is a time, it is the book of beginnings. Ultimately, it is the establishment of Israel because it, it puts the, you know, the pieces in place for Israel to become a nation at Mount Sinai because you have you know, Abraham, then he has Isaac, then Isaac has Jacob, Jacob has 12 sons. The 12 sons become the 12 tribes. And in particular, when they go to Egypt and then up to the Exodus, they, 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 they uh, grow in numbers greatly. So by the time they get to Mount Sinai, you have a nation of Israelites, well over a million folks, 12 tribes. Okay, then on Mount Sinai, we have the old covenant established, a covenant with Israel, a works covenant. And so now God is going to illustrate from Mount Sinai to the cross uh, that what he's going to accomplish through the death of Jesus on the cross. That is, he's going to have a people, he's going to take them into his land. Of course, in the Old Covenant, that's Israel's the people, but they're in reality an unbelieving picture of the people of God. And the Promised Land, yes, he did take them into that land, but that land is only a physical picture of the ultimate land, which is the heaven, then the new heavens and new earth. So it's just, it's just a picture. The fulfillment really takes place after, from Pentecost onward, this is the time of fulfillment when God collects the real people of God and takes them into a land that does not end. So, if we understand the relationship the Old and New that way, which is the model of New Covenant theology, mm-hmm. then we see, well, the everything before Pentecost is not the time for believing, which is why... At least for me, the most common question I get asked when I'm taking just open forum type of questions when I'm traveling is, how was someone saved in the Old Testament? Mm. How, how were they saved? And, and the answer is, it, it's not clear. It's not clear. So you take Abraham in, in uh, Genesis 12 and then 15. It says, well, particularly in chapter 15, God promised him to, that he would give him an heir. Because Abraham had no heir. Okay, well then God promised that to Abraham. Abraham believed God and says it was it was credited to him as righteousness. Well you say, well the only thing he did is he believed the promise. I mean, we understand salvation, the gospel message as repentance and faith in the work of the Messiah on the cross. Well, that wasn't even known at that time. Mm-hmm. You know, at best they understood there was something coming, at best. Obviously, let's say David, who was a believer during the Old Covenant era, knew much more than Abraham. That's because he had more revelation. But still, it's not clear. It's not clear. And this is the big deal. So now, you know, beginning at Pentecost, Jesus shows up. The Messiah shows up. He's preparing the way for the New Covenant era by going to the cross. So the language used to describe the ministry of Jesus is repent. His message, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near or at hand. That is the time for entering the real kingdom is about to begin. Mm-hmm. Of course, then he goes to the cross, then he dies, he rises from the dead, ascends into heaven, 
Then you have Pentecost. Now the Spirit's poured out. It's a time for believing. And now we're off and running in the time of fulfillment, the New Covenant era. So assuming, and we have to be honest, assuming you buy that model, Mm -hmm. the model of New Covenant theology, then you would say, since Satan has this role in unbelief, okay, you would say that up until Pentecost, Satan is, you know, Satan is actively causing unbelief all over the world. But once Pentecost begins, now at least the elect from every tribe, nation, and tongue, those whom the Father has chosen to save, these are the ones for whom Jesus died. Mm-hmm. Now, the Holy Spirit is going to overcome the work of Satan. That is, he is now bound. That is, he cannot hinder God's plan through the Great Commission, take the gospel to the four corners of the world. He cannot hinder the elect, those for whom Jesus died, coming to faith at the appointed time. Because the Holy Spirit grants the gift of faith and people believe. So, what we're saying, what I am saying at least is, is that the New Covenant era is the time from Pentecost to the Second Coming when Satan is bound. Mm -hmm. This is the time when God is collecting up the real people of God. It's as though before Pentecost there's no believers in the language of Scripture, but in reality there's always a remnant of believers from the very early on, book of Genesis. But there's not a lot. Mm. So that is, in a nutshell, Mm -hmm. what we mean by the binding of Satan. Let me ask you a couple of questions. Matthew 13 that we just looked at. Yes. That he would be referring to then... When he says, uh, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom does not understand it, the evil one comes and snatches away what is sown in their heart. That's pre-Pentecost. Oh, yeah, but he's talking about, in all fairness, yeah. he's talking about what happens when, when the, I, I would say, when the gospel gets shared. Mm-hmm. But the time, it's a good question, but the t- I would say he's describing something that's going to take place in a large scale in the future. Oh, okay. Because it doesn't really take place uh, very much. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the, the disciples go out a few times, but there's really not much going on mm-hmm. until Pentecost. So he's describing that when the gospel goes out, this is the kind of response you're going to experience. Now, the question is, when is the time when the gospel goes out in its full force? Well, not, not till Pentecost. Right. Yeah. So we're not denying that people, some people didn't come to faith during the ministry of Jesus. We're just saying very few. Mm-hmm. The, the historical time for believing is Pentecost to the second coming. Right. And when we say that Satan is bound, I mean, there is still demonic activity. Satan Absolutely. still messes with us, so to speak, this side of Pentecost. But he does, isn't, as it said in Revelation, he's no longer able to deceive the nations. In other words, sort of whole scale, you know, st- stop people from believing. Yeah, I think, so we're talking about the binding of Satan, uh, that it refers specifically to his role in causing unbelief. Right. And so if he's bound, that means people can now believe. So if the New Covenant era is the time for belief, then Satan is bound in the sense that he cannot stop the elect coming to faith in Christ. And of course, on the day of Pentecost, Peter gives that 
sermon, or whatever we want to call it, that message, and 3,000 come to faith. Right, because this is the time of the Spirit. So therefore, Satan cannot stop that, because historically, it looks like, up to this point, Satan has prevailed. Mm -hmm. Because Israel is, every evaluation of physical Israel under the Old Covenant is that they're all unbelievers. Mm -hmm. Well, we know that that's literally not true. We know there's always a remnant of believers. But the evaluation, the language Mm -hmm. of the evaluation is no believers. So it looks like, you know, Satan has prevailed. Come Pentecost, boom, now the Spirit's poured out. we got this thousands coming to faith. In the book of Acts, people are just coming to faith. So then Satan is bound in that respect. So we're not denying that Satan is still around, his right. demons. Uh, but, because Ephesians 6 talks about spiritual warfare. Mm-hmm. But it cannot stop a someone for whom Jesus died. It cannot stop them from coming to faith in Christ when the Spirit is drawing them and then granting them the gift of faith. They can't stop it. Right. And the, but those that would would who because I don't know I, I get confused with all the terminologies you know the terms but those who think that there's this future time coming when when uh, Satan will be yeah. bound the world will become all Christianized and all that kind of stuff for a thousand years correct I mean that that yeah. what is that view is that well it's it's, it's a classic it's a dispensational premillennial right. point of view okay. You know, you got the thousand years of, uh, where Jesus reigning from Jerusalem. Right, right. And at the end of that, that's after Jesus comes back. And then at the end of that thousand years, there's a rebellion. Mm-hmm. And then that's squashed. Right. And, and so they would say Satan is bound during that thousand years. Mm-hmm. And at the very end of that thousand years, he is set free. So we need to, we need to respond, respond to that, just that last sure, phrase. Sure. Because it says in verse 3... He threw him into the abyss, mm-hmm. Satan, and locked and sealed it over him to keep him from deceiving the nations right. any more until the thousand years were ended. After mm-hmm. that, he must be set free for a short time. Right. Now, of course, we remember we in our handling of the book of Revelation mm-hmm. that this is a series of visions, and visions, we to understand what the nature of the vision is, we go to Ezekiel, Zechariah, Daniel, mm-hmm. where visions are introduced. And, of course, they are not literal. They are... They, kind of figurative, symbolic stuff that communicates truth, but not literally. Right. And so so we're not, there's not actually an abyss and a lock and a key. We don't think so. We think there's just language describing um, a truth. But when it says, he, uh, after, at the end of the thousand years, he's set free for a short while. Of course, now we're talking about my understanding that right before the second coming, it becomes a very difficult time for believers right mm-hmm. before that. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, I would say that, you know, the seven bowls of the book of Revelation, without getting into that, that at this point, which is not our purpose, the, the ex, it's describing intense difficulties on the earth for believers, and then Jesus comes back. It sort of looks as though Satan has won, but mm-hmm. then boom, Jesus comes back, and of course defeats the enemies, you know, the present heavens and earth are destroyed, new heavens, new earth, and then you have believers ushered into an eternal And place. whenever I think of that thought, that end time picture that you just described, I'm also reminded of, of Jesus as he's going to the cross where Satan thought he had won. Oh, yeah. And yes. Oops. <laughs> That's exactly right. When he defeats Satan, in a sense, he, 
he dies on the cross, right. but he rises again. Exactly. Of course, the resurrection is the ultimate evidence that the cross was accepted by the Father. He did redeem a people. Mm-hmm. That meant that the time for the new covenant era, the time for saving the people of God, that was going to take place. And that's why we've, we've dealt with this in the past, which is why the concept of the Great Commission, Matthew mm-hmm. 28, Go, you know, all authority in heaven and earth has been given to me, Jesus says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey whatsoever I've commanded you, and I'll be with you always to the very end of the age. Okay, so, but we notice that there is no great commission in the Old Testament. Mm-mm. There isn't any, because it's all about Israel, and so they're the, quote, people of God, at least in picture form, but they're... They're virtually all unbelievers, mm-hmm. except for a small group. And so we commonly say that to find the uh, people of God in the, those whom God has chosen in the Old Testament, you don't, you don't need the gospel message, you, need a G, you don't need the Great Commission, you need a GPS. Mm-hmm. Just go find Israel, mm-hmm. and you found the people. It's just they're only an unbelieving picture of the people of God. So there is that intense time of difficulty at the very end, that's when Satan has let loose. Okay, so that's, uh, and then Jesus comes back. And then, boom, we enter into eternity in the new heavens and new earth. And that's what we're going to talk about next time. Yeah, the next time we're going to focus on, uh, really, Revelation chapter 21, the new Jerusalem. Mm-hmm. And we will do that. But this is, what practically, what do we take home from this? It's just as we close. Well, that is, that this is that we live in the time, the time of fulfillment, the new covenant era, where nothing can stop uh, something from come to faith, from coming to faith in Christ, and when the gospel is shared, if it's the appointed time, if they're one of the ones for whom Jesus died, and it's the appointed time for the Holy Spirit to draw them, nothing can stop them from coming to faith in Christ, which is wonderful to know as we share our faith, because most of the time. When we share our faith, people aren't very interested. Mm. And it's easy to get discouraged, and then you just give up. But this says, no, 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 no. Nothing can stop someone from coming to faith. That's why I always like the uh, the parable of the sower, because we're really, we're not out there harvesting. We're out there sowing seeds of the gospel. And God's going to open those yes. hearts and those ears and those eyes and all of that. But we just have to be faithful to be out there sowing this at every opportunity. Absolutely true. Exactly. So if you have any questions about this topic, and I know it's a little complicated, but it's important, you can always reach Jeff at... My cell phone number is 480-313-8558, and my email address is volker.jeff at gmail.com. And you can always find us on our website, that is ids.org.